Welcome to a late night edition of UJ Sports Live. My name is Roddy DeBolsey. I'm joined by Dane Young and Jim Donnan. Jim Donnan is, of course, the former Georgia Bulldogs head coach, and he is the main reason everybody's tuned in tonight at 9.30 on a Thursday. We're up past Coach's bedtime, um, which is a lie. He, he's up later than probably all of us. But we've had uh, – we, we rescheduled the show a few times because we're going to do it Tuesday. Got a couple coaches to talk to on Tuesday. We're going to do it Thursday during the day. Got a couple coaches to talk to. So we've got a lot of uh, assistant coaches that we don't normally get. Usually Kirby Smart uh, doesn't let a lot of other guys talk. He likes to control the uh, uh, message. He also likes to meet with the media, answer questions, and let his coaches do their thing. So, But this week he had four coaches meet with the media, three offensive coaches, one defensive coach, and we have clips that Dane has cut up, so we will talk about those. Uh, coach, they have the team has been practicing. They had their first day in uh, pads recently. Uh, this coming Saturday, they have a um, uh, the first scrimmage, and we that we ask you this every year. But what what we what can we expect? What are we going to see this week as they transition through fall camp? You know, they're in pads now, and as they go into that first scrimmage. Yeah, one of the biggest things you want to do is evaluate how guys do 11-on-11 full speed with the tackling. Uh, they've had a lot of drills uh, that are similar to what a game situation will be, but putting guys on the ground, uh, fending off blocks, people coming at you low, all that stuff, you, you want to see how you can react to that on defense and uh, how you can get lined up on offense and take care of your assignments, but also show some discipline as far as snap count. Uh, and about three series of piece, one versus one, two versus two, three versus three, where they'll go 10 to play drive. And then the rest of the time it'll be interspersed with some kicking situations and uh, similar situations that you see in a game, uh, third and four, third and eight, Red zone, low red zone, high red zone, uh, coming out when the ball's backed up. Uh, and two-minute offense, they'll they'll go finish the practice with two-minute offense. So, all in all, it's just a, a really uh, good chance to evaluate your players, evaluate your team, find out how much depth you really have, uh, see how the specialists work under pressure in the stadium, and pretty much it but it's uh you can't afford to do it more than twice because it's just too much uh, of a risk to lose a guy because of an injury in a but you, you can't not scrimmage because then you uh, really don't evaluate your team because you're not playing a lot on 11 7 on 7 stuff so uh let's see how they tackle Dane I was thinking about the scrimmage and we got to speak to Del McGee today and you know, uh, he, I asked him one of the questions about, you know, you've got three running backs committed. How did you sell that? He said, well, it's not hard to sell running at the University of Georgia, but getting three guys just gets us back up to our number of running backs. I'm like, okay, well, that's a good point. And then uh, I was asking in our group chat, I'm like, wait a minute, they got five uh, running scholarship running backs. He said they have an allotment of six, but three of those 
uh, running backs on scholarship are banged up. We broke the news that Kendall Milton has a little, a little hamstring injury. He wasn't out there the other day for the, you know, when we, we while the media was out there, I understood he came back in later on. Uh, Andrew Paul's coming off of an ACL. Got Branson Robinson, who will be out for a while to start the season. I'm like, it's a little tight to run scrimmages to run 11 on 11. As Coach says, if you do it more than a couple times, I mean, you got to get to the finish line. But that's not how he answered your question at first, yeah. because these coaches constantly think in two ways, the season in front of them, but then also the program as a whole. And so the first way that he answered your question was, yeah, and Kendall Milton and Dejan Edwards aren't going to be here next year. So we need <laughs> to go ahead and have guys ready to go for when they're gone and out yeah. of here. But you're right. But I look at this as you kind of know what you have with Kendall Milton when he's healthy. I think you Fair. feel good about Branson Robinson when he's healthy. You need to see something from Andrew Paul when he's able to go full speed, which doesn't seem like it's quite yet, but that's coming along. And so these reps are really, really valuable for if Dejan Edwards is your number one running back for a month, can he handle that workload? I think he can. If Cass Jones needs to get carries early in a game to set a tone, what does that do for Georgia's offense? Because that's not something they've relied on before. Roger Roberts is a true freshman. Is he ready for that spotlight? Those are all things that I think scrimmages help dictate early on. Yeah, I mean, and the the th thing you got to be careful. Cool. May have lost coach there for just a second. Yeah, I, I think his modem went to bed. So uh, I know you got some videos, video clips that you pulled from uh, all four coaches that we got to speak to this week. Why don't, uh, who do you want to start with? Let's start with uh, Del McGee and the running back injury situation yeah. because we're just talking about it. So that's an easy transition into uh, what he said about Dejan Edwards and Cass Jones getting a lot of the reps right now. Uh, guys have having to take a bigger load, speaking of Dejan Edwards and uh, Cass Jones, even our walk-on Saban Clark. His, his workload has increased due to our injuries. Uh, but at the same token, uh, it's my job to prepare who, who's ever available, who's ever healthy to perform at a, a high level. So essentially, you got a coach who's there. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, I didn't want to be like, well, duh, coach, you know, but I, I did mention the fact that, you know, he's had to deal with guys like that before. It's a, uh, I thought he had a very good defense of Kendall Milton saying, look, you know, he's out here trying to get hurt, you know, just he's had bad luck. And they, we, people were asking, what is his mindset when he gets kind of hurt? And that's really been, I guess, for the first two weeks, that's been kind of the news. Early on, it's always, how do the freshmen look? How big are they? Uh, do, do they who, who's grown? Who's gotten taller? Who's gotten thicker? Who's gotten faster? We don't get to see a ton of that. But uh, the, the number one thing that comes out of the first couple of weeks of camp is who's injured. We always want to, you know, what, what's going on because that's a big deal. And the fact that Kendall Milton, who's fought injuries his whole time, his whole career, uh, nothing just nothing ridiculous, nothing as bad as what Andrew Paul went through, but just there's always uh, a, some small little nagging thing. And But when he's healthy, he's a monster. So that was kind of the, the story of the first couple of weeks of camp. And I thought that he made a good point. It's like, look, you know, I, you guys will obsess about this, but I still got to – I've got to practice. We we're, we got two spots going on. We got 11 on 11 over here and 11 on 11 over there. And I've got to be able to run these guys. I did not get to ask the next question, though, that I wanted to. It was like, I, coach, who else are you working and running back? 
<laughs> well, you know, they did tell us last year that Brock Bowers has taken snaps there, though I don't think that Georgia has enough experience at tight end. It would have to be a very dire situation yeah. for Bowers yeah, to get carries what from about Raymond Wilson back there. Zed Haynes. I mean, you got some you got some freshmen you brought in that are absolute burners, you know. Let, let Darius Senior in the chat. Give Darius the ball, see what happens. I don't know. <laughs> There's a ton of dudes that I know that if they got in the open field, they'd score. Yeah, well, especially running behind that offensive line. So I thought he made a good point. He's like, look, as you said, gotta, I got to cook with what I got. So uh, it's old hat for him, and it, is, it has helped. And that, one of the questions I asked him was, look, when you first got here, um, you had a couple older guys, you know, that knew what they were doing. But then you brought in a bunch of freshmen, and you've been on his year eight. He's been through this cycle a bunch of times. I asked him, you know, what's, what's the hardest thing to teach him? Zero hesitation. He mentioned <laughs> pass blocking, a pass protection. You know, uh, he said that you know we we're not as big as the linebackers that are coming after us. You know, the nonverbal communication between the center, the quarterback, and the uh, tailback, knowing you know who's going to get who, wh which sides need to be on, what's going to happen. And I'm thinking, what do we see the freshmen struggle with? Which is the only reason I'm I'd be worried about putting Andrew Paul out there, or Cash Jones, or Savon Clark, or anybody else, you know, that's not named Dejan Edwards or Kendall Milton, you know, or Branson Robinson. I'm like, oh, those, you know, Roderick Robinson's brand new, you know. But if, if somebody's, you got a headhunter coming after Carson Beck, will he step up and do it? And we've always seen the freshmen struggle with that. I, I want to remind people the institutional knowledge that comes with Dell McGee at this point, because there are two coaches at UGA that have been there the entire time that Kirby Smart has been there. And that is Dell McGee and Glenn Schumann. And there's been yeah. turnover everywhere else on that coaching staff. And that matters a lot, especially in recruiting. I think that's one reason he has as much confidence as he does with recruiting, because he's been there from the beginning to see what Georgia was. The funny part to me, Roddy, if you remember in 2015, Del McGee did coach in Sanford Stadium, but it was with Georgia Southern. And it was that game that went to overtime that he was an assistant coach for Willie Fritz and Georgia Southern should have won that game. And uh, I interviewed Del McGee before that game. And he said, uh, I'm glad to be here. We're coming here to win. I think I can be a head coach one day. That's my goal. And I still think that's his goal. Uh, he's been very valuable for Georgia. And Georgia's lucky to have kept him as long as he's been here. Um, Dell's a superstar in coaching. Yeah. Coach, give us your thoughts on it. On Dell McGee, coach. Yeah, I've been uh, around Dell for the last eight years. I've seen him, uh, his contributions are invaluable on the field, off the field, uh, every way possible in the community. A great uh, father and uh, husband. Uh, he's really a guy that Kirby leans on in so many ways outside of the day-to-day -day football. I mean, he, he really does have a lot of uh, ability to think into the future. Uh, the kids really look up to him. And, uh, you know, he's just got a real good feel for uh, how to handle the players during the game. And uh, just, you know, he's, he's very capable of being the, the head coach when Kirby's not around, just like several of those guys are. So he's, he's very uh, – Kirby's always around. But I'm talking about certain things that you got to do. But just uh, one of the top coaches in the country. Now, Roddy, specifically – uh, specifically one thing with Dell McGee that was asked was you don't have Kenny McIntosh anymore. 
who can catch the football out of the backfield? Here's what he said. All of our guys have improved in that area, and we can't let we can't let uh, our injuries or not being there be an excuse uh, to not catch the ball. When their number's called in the passing game, they're expected to catch it and answer the bell. So he pretty much said everybody can catch it. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's part of your uh, that's part of your mo here when you're recruited, but. Uh, some guys have better skills than others. Now, if it's a routine play that you're lined up in the backfield, catch a screen pass or catch a little delay, that's one thing. But shifting out and being a wide receiver like we do, uh, we've shown with Cook and McIntosh now, that takes a real special talent that uh, multi-purpose back, uh, kind of like Frazier kid we just had committed here, that can play what they call all-purpose back, you know, not just – first and second down, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm concerned about these injuries. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm one of the most positive persons around here, but, uh, uh, when you've got three of your top five guys, uh, have some injury situations, uh, and none of them have been the, the bell cow anyhow. Uh, you know, I, I guess Edwards has run more snaps than anybody. Then that concerns you, but, uh, if Branson Robinson can play anywhere near what he did when he did play, then he could be that. Milton's shown he can be that. Um, Andrew Paul can do that, uh, but you, you just don't know. But I would say at this point, that's got to be the biggest question mark on our team uh, to me is the health of our running backs and how they're going to be ready to go by the South Carolina game, hopefully. Right, let's move on to another coach because we got a lot of coaches to get through, which thank you, Kirby Smart. I appreciate it. I give Kirby nine types of hell for uh, not giving us enough access, but he let us watch part of practice this week, and we got to speak to four of his assistant coaches. So, uh, And I'll tell you, people were very excited to watch the Todd Hartley videos. They were excited to watch Mike Bobo's return, if you will. And uh, I told people, go watch Dell McGee. And if you don't think Glenn Schumann is a, a diabolical mastermind when it comes to defense, if you watch his uh, – uh, interviews. All of these are on our uh, UJ Sports YouTube channel. If you're a Georgia fan, take the time to watch them. You'll be very pleased. Well, let's go to Glenn Schumann, a guy who in the offseason did have an interview to potentially be a coach with the Philadelphia Eagles. Not uncommon. Here's what he had to say about it. When you're successful, opportunities come for everybody. Opportunities come for players. Um, opportunities come for coaches. And I was, you know, it was an honor to be considered and to be reached out to by them. And, and um, you know, I appreciate it. And that's, that's about all that I went through that process, and I'm glad to be where I am. Sounds pretty happy to be at Georgia, but still needed to to see what was out there when the interviews come for him. Good experience, it sounded like. He's very deserving. Uh, he's a tremendous young coach, and he got 900,000 reasons to stay here, too, added on to his salary, which is nothing wrong with that either. I think that's one thing that uh, all coaches, uh, you know, that when somebody else wants you and is ready to pay you that much money, uh, you've got to uh, – he earns every cent of it. He's very deserving of it. Uh, all our coaches are. I mean, these coaches aren't overpaid. I mean, they uh, – if you want to compete on the level that we got to compete, you got to have coaches beside players. you got to have a guy that's an all-conference coach coaching your linebackers. And if, if there's anybody in the conference that's all-conference there, look at the guys he's putting out. He brings them in here. He recruits them. He trains them. Uh, he's uh, 
been with Kirby since he was a student assistant at Alabama. He knows the system inside and out. And uh, I never will forget when uh, when he was first hired here, uh, when he was coming over here with Coach Tucker from the defense, and uh, and a couple guys referred that I knew. Uh, we're, we're talking about the staff, and they said, well, there's one guy he's bringing that's a rising star. Glenn Schumann's going to be an outstanding coach, and he's going to be uh, ready to go, even though he hasn't been a full-time coach. I did the same thing. I brought a guy from Marshall here, Greg Atkins, who uh, had never been a full-time coach, and he ended up coaching at Tennessee in the pros everywhere. You know, if you got talent, doesn't make any difference what your experience is. I mean – particularly when you got a guy like Tucker helping you uh, and Kirby being the head coach. So Kirby knew what he was doing, bringing Schumann in here. And I I will say this, that Kirby's really shown a real propensity for having a farm team like situation where when somebody leaves, he's got somebody in the bullpen ready to go. Uh, And we have hired outside that a couple of times, but for the most part, you look at the defensive transition, Tucker to Lanning to Schumann and Muschamp. I mean, that's that's been uh, outstanding. And I'm just telling you right now, our defense this year is going to be hard to score on. Going to be, you know, I tell you something every year before the season. This this defense right here, I don't know that it's impregnable, but <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna there are going to be some pissed-off coaches when somebody returns a punt for a touchdown or blocks a kick for a touchdown or throw you throw an interception for a touchdown because a lot of these teams, that's the only way they're going to score. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I also like uh, about seeing the other teams come after Glenn Schumann. He, he, he's been a slow-rising star, but when you start looking at his work and you start talking to other people in the industry, they're like, this guy is a savant. This guy is a – genius when it comes to defense he, he knows his stuff and then I was trying to think of how many guys has he had drafted inside linebacker he's got two buckus award winners which you know that was that's huge but I was like wait a minute like Tay Crowder Natrez Patrick you know Roquan Smith then you know three guys at once and I'm like this and then you bring in to me as impressive as all that is the fact that you bring in two guys in their first year as starters in pop and smile Monday and for them to have the year they did, I'm like, damn, this guy's really, he's really good coach. Aside from the rising star and the defensive coordinator, as a position coach, that's just that's hard to do. It's hard to have that much success. So yeah, I mean, you, you got to be, and he knows. But the the overriding thing that we've got to always keep in mind here is Kirby Smart's defense. I mean, true. it's what won for him. And people say Nick Saban and all that. Nick did a good job of, of hiring Kirby, but uh, Kirby called the defense. He put the defense in. He did everything uh, over there for Nick. Uh, Gary Gibbs called the defense when he was a defensive coordinator. Steele's going to call it. Uh, you know, Nick's around, but uh, the, the whole pieces of it. One of the things that people are looking for, whether it's graduate assistants, whether it's full-time coaches, the Georgia way is the way to go. If you can get a Georgia coach, you're going to try to get them. Uh, and Eddie Gordon went to UAB as an O-line coach from here. Uh, there, there's a lot of people moving around from Georgia because they know the system. 
Uh, and I know we're, we're going to have a, a comment from Mike Bobo. Talk, I mean, he mentioned that, but before we get to him, I want to hear that other uh, clip. Yeah, uh, you transitioned into it a couple of comments ago about Smile Munden and Jamon Dumas Johnson because there was a unique situation where Kirby Smart and Glenn Schumann, these guys last year, Pop and Munden, great uh, years and early success at Georgia, didn't quite practice as hard as they needed to at the beginning of spring, and then Kirby and Schumann had to step in. Here's what's happened since then. From that point forward, they, they accepted that challenge and have elevated their game. Uh, I've been incredibly pleased with pop through this beginning of camp his leadership how vocal he is his overall effort and approach to practice stands out day to day he's been extremely consistent and we need that from him um, he wants to be significantly better than he was last year and he's practicing like that's what he wants to do he wants to be significantly better well, the one thing that I hope that the fans get out of listening to our show or watching it is uh there are no stars at practice here. I mean, you, you got to produce every day, and they don't mind putting a guy in for you if you're not. I mean, and the way they know it, they watch you, but they got they got three people over there looking at that GPS all the time. And if your GPS is not meeting the standards that you're supposed to be doing, you do not want that guy to walk up to Kirby Smart and say, hey, Roddy is not doing and work the shit out of here. He's not going anywhere close to his big time, his max effort. And boy, you talk about getting lambasted. So you better, they got what they got basically your own computer out there and you getting checked. You better make every rep go and, uh, and be going full speed because you might get by with one or two plays where they miss it, but it won't take long. And of course the coaches can see it too, but that's not the, that's not, that's not even close to the norm here. Nobody tries to get by with anything because they're too afraid to. Why would you? Why would you take a chance on that, and and have it and not be able to play because you're not giving effort and practice? You win that win that opportunity by the way you perform in practice and the way you uh, go by the standards that we have here. And I'm sure they're very similar in most places. But in regard to those two linebackers, they had a a monumental task coming in replacing the three that played who had three or four years in the system and had a really good defensive front in front of them, all those guys. And last year we had a lot of new secondary guys and Carter was, uh, both of them stepped up and played just really good. And, and as Kirby has said, there, there's been a lot of good linebackers here, but I, I can't remember anybody even close to the athleticism Maybe Boss Bailey, Witherspoon could really run, broke, but small London, come on. That guy, that guy can, he's, he's really, I don't even know what all he'll do when he goes to the combine, but he'll scare some people. They'll, they'll, it'll be hard for them to see those stats that he'll put. And of course, Pop can, uh, you know, he just deliver a blow and, and get it really hit you. But these young linebackers we got, too, are uh, in the same mold. You know, Jalen Walker, all these guys are three freshmen. Uh, our deep – I mean, I'm going to stop talking about our defense. <laughs> I'm going to get laryngitis. But the only thing that worries me is our defense is going to probably make our offense think they're not quite as good as they are because they're going against them. But the one thing that I will say here – is 
the whole fall camp is set up to train your defense and train your offense. And the defense has the advantage in the practice sessions because they know what the offense is installing. They know the plays. And it's a pretty pretty good scripted thing that, that the defensive coaches go over. Saturday, it's every man for himself. I mean, it's like a game. So, the, the, the you know, they don't know exactly what Bobo's going to do. And uh, I know the competitive edge of Mike Scott. So, he'll go out there and uh, – if you got a guy that's got a hurt ankle and he knows that he's going to go after that guy in a scrimmage, I mean, that's what he's going to do. And I would too. So it's, a little, it. it's, it's a little bit better on, on Saturday. I look for the offense to make Kirby mad about the defense Saturday. I'd be surprised if they don't do really well. Kirby's mad now, coach. We were out there watching practice. He, he get, what I mean is, you know, know. The same game when he talked to that girl at halftime, he said, well, our defense isn't performing like it needs to. And he went in there and chewed your ass out. You saw what happened in the second half. In that yeah. And, uh, but he, he, as head coach, you can't, you got to balance it up because, and he's gotten better. He used to say, well, we're, we're just not doing as much as we need to on defense and they're moving the ball on us. But I used to say to make Kirby, that offense is your offense. We're moving the ball too. So he doesn't say they anymore. So, you know, we yeah. end up, it's ours. But I like it. Uh, to illustrate my point about Kirby being mad already and to what you said about the GPS thing, I thought it was hilarious that uh, he was calling out a Marius Mims, his starting right tackle. By saying, I was hey. saying stuff like that on that you heard it at practice, Coach. No, I mean, it was, it was, everybody was out there. It was, it was in public. And he's like, we're going to check your GPS. And if you didn't get to 17 miles an hour, we're going to have words or something. It's just. Yeah, well, so he knows how fast each guy is supposed to go. Right. That that blows my mind. Anyway, speaking of going fast, I want to mention our friends over at uh, Athens Ford. Uh, they got some great deals to get the vehicles on their lot moving fast. And they got the Ford Mustang, that mock EGT. And so uh, you can get it as low as uh, $499 a month for 48 months, $3,000 due at signing. I've been told that if you drive in that Mustang and you hit the gas, your head's going to slam back into the uh, padded headrest there. That thing's got takeoff ability. And, hey, 500 bucks for a 2023 Ford Mustang can't doesn't hurt. Uh, you get $6,000 off the 2023 Ford F-150 XL 101 STX and 3.9% APR financing for 60 months. Uh, check that one out. Uh, Ford F-150, best-selling vehicle in the – best-selling truck in the uh, nation. And, of course, the, I'm a big Ford Explorer, guys. Everybody knows that. You get the 2023 Ford Explorer up to $4,000 off MSRP and 2.9% APR financing for 60 months for qualified buyers. Check out all the vehicles on the lot at Athens Ford. You will not be disappointed. While you're on that side of town, swing by our friends over at Academia Brewing Company. They've got a new barley wine out there. They've got a uh, classic car show out there. They've got new lunch items, a new uh, uh, grilled uh, cheesesteak sandwich out there. They got a new uh, chicken sandwich out there for lunch. Uh, there's a motorcycle night out there. They have live music. They have Trivia Tuesdays. They have a beautiful uh, beer garden. They have a huge room. I know that all the uh, fraternities and sororities are having rush. Uh, they, you need to have a big event someplace. They got a whole room for that over at Academia Brewing Company. And I know, you know sometimes you want to have a beer or two. So 
hit up our friends at Academia Brewing Company, Matt Casey, huge dog fan. I've seen this guy at every major Georgia football event. He's there. He's giving out beer, you know, to, to promote his brand. And that is a guy that just absolutely loves the Bulldogs. He's a Georgia graduate. So when you go out there and you have one of the giant hamburgers, you are supporting a man who supports the University of Georgia. Mike Bobo was talking about how quarterbacks can separate themselves in scrimmages, what they need to do. Here's what he says he's looking for from his quarterbacks. And the bottom line for a quarterback, it's, you know, can we execute? Are you going to be able to execute and get us in the right play, get us in the right protection, run the offense, handle third down situations, red zone situations, and that's what we're looking for, handling those situations in a game and having continuity on offense. Coach, if I've learned anything from you from the last few years of doing shows with you, it's how important it is for the quarterback to get people where they need to get to before the ball snapped. Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't have to do that. Uh, that always kind of made me mad when when an assistant coach had a guy that didn't know where to line up because the quarterback's got so much stuff he's got to do looking at the defense. A guy should be able to break the huddle and go where he's supposed to be, but you know, when you got some younger guys, sometimes they don't know which side to be on or whether it'll be tight or what, what your split is and all that. And the quarterback's got to know that. But that's one thing that I'm not I, – I don't think that that's the quarterback's role. But uh, it has to be something that uh, you, you, you're able to do in case they don't know what to do. But but the other things he was talking about, just uh, changing the play, uh, working on a protection, uh, all those things are so important. And uh, what I always try to do with my quarterback is eliminate as much thinking as he could have before the ball was snapped. And then that then start doing all your thinking. But if you're worried about getting a snap, about if JoJo's on the right side, if uh, we got enough players to stop their guy and all that, I mean, those are things you can't, you got to be thinking, you got to be geared in on making that play work, reading the free safety picking out the mic, all those things. So uh, that's what happens when you got a good team. And the saving grace for our team, regardless of who gets hurt in the backfield and running back, is our offense on an offensive line is is next level. I mean, it, it's really uh, – and some of the second unit guys are coming around to, to help it out. I read where Roddy said something about, you know, offensive line depth was something that worked. And it does worry me because they haven't played. But, uh, you know, you got Green and Blasky just fighting it out there, left tackle. The other four guys are either on the first or second team all-conference preseason. And then you've got guys like, uh, uh, you know, Jared Wilson and Micah Morris. People don't realize how good Micah Morris is. I've seen him pancake some people. Just coming out on the corner, you know, coming around there. If he was running at me, I could probably run a four six forty because I was <laughs> running away from that guy. He's like a bowling ball coming out there. So, one of the things I like to do, you know, is, is be positive when I can. I said that about. I was worried about the backs, but I'm I'm about as positive about this old line being a real big advantage for whoever our quarterback is number one because they're not going to have to worry a lot about protection and number two uh if our running back situation is not as good as as we'd like it to be i still think 
we got some guys capable of of making yards because they're not going to have to dodge people in the backfield. There's going to be so much movement. And we got 19 in your program, one in your heart. <laughs> that guy is just going to be – he's just so hard to defend. I mean, you you got to worry about him in so many different avenues that – uh, and the addition of those two transfers along with Ladd and then the guys we got, I, it's going to be a very explosive, big play offense. I'm hearing a lot of good things about Arian Smith's help, that he's gone through all of this stuff in the spring and, and fall and has really been a little more physical but got big-time big, big time speed. Uh, we we're, we got a good receiver room. Uh, you know, uh, it's going to be a really good offense. Coach, one offensive lineman that you didn't mention, and I'm wondering if he has just entered the Solomon Kinley, Justin Schaefer role of, well, they, maybe they'll get beat out and they just never do, and, and they keep their spot forever. Xavier Truss is, is really solid on this offensive line. I mentioned he's one of the four guys that picked up preseason all-conference. Oh, I wanted his name said, Coach. I wanted him okay. called out. Xavier Truss, Cedric Grandfran. <laughs> Tate Radledge and Marius Sims. Those are the four. But Trust is good. I mean, I like Trust. He can play guard tackle. I like Dylan Fairchild. I mean, I think he's uh, he's rugged, man. He's one of the strongest guys we've ever had here. And he he's very, you know, he just won't get beat. He, he might not be quite as much leverage on somebody, but I like the fact that he, you know, wants to be a Georgia Bulldog and he's – he plays hard, and he plays better with the other guys around him too, because he's not a, a massive guy. But uh, those those first five guys are massive. I'm talking about you could have an NBA team with those guys. I mean, maybe one of them would be big enough to be a center, but you got seven, eight power forwards there. I mean, just big old guys, really. And you're talking about a guy running 17 on the GPS there, Roddy? I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, you, your center, Amer- I mean, in your hypothetical basketball team, I have Amarius Mims as a center, and that's the guy Kirby Smart wants running 17 miles an hour. Yeah. I just imagine this going down at Ramsey, like some some poor oh, yeah. going up against this offensive line of a basketball team. Well, yeah. the best nights I ever had just for having fun was going over and watch Champ Bailey on the uh, play – intramural basketball one night and the other team just looked at him the whole game. I think he got 36 <laughs> points playing eight minute quarters and he was just he was just toying with him. But uh I enjoyed watching it because I, I get to coach this guy again one more year. <laughs> <laughs> well that's uh that's how I think Mike Bobo feels about Brock Bowers, as you said, Coach, because he raved about him today. As a play caller, uh, it's about players and not plays. Uh, that's number one. Your job as a play caller, if a guy's got a unique ability to make plays and plays that turn into explosive, we got to find a job, as do a good job as a staff, of designing plays that, that get him touches. Uh, as far as of, of getting the best out of Brock Bowers, uh, you're going to get the best out of Brock Bowers every single day. Uh, he is not a guy – that needs to be motivated. Uh, he's locked in in every meeting, every walkthrough. For sure. I mean, you just can't say enough about him. But uh, I think one thing that helps Mike a little bit in the evolution of our offense is last year when he was uh, an analyst here, you know, each analyst works with a different area 
and Mike, of course, knows quarterbacks. We had Buster Faulkner here. So Mike went with the tight end. So he's got a little bit more relationship maybe with Brock Bowers than he would if he was the quarterback room last year. And, of course, he's got him with all of them. But, but you can see all the things that Coach Monk and Coach Hartley did with Brock, and that's in your wheelhouse. And uh, you've got to not only know, find ways to get him the ball, but find ways to not after the game say, well, they doubled him. We couldn't do that. Hey, I don't want to hear that. Let's get him the ball so that they, he knows what some of the teams tried to do to inside out on him or press him or hold him up. And also you work on those in the, I mean, the routine plays, nobody's going to defend this guy. So you got to be ready for some of these screwed up defensive looks. And I never will forget we had a guy one time that uh, Switzer, you know, didn't think we were getting the ball to enough. And he just came in and said, hey, you need to, see what you can do to get the ball to him a little more. And then we played another game and didn't get it. And he came and he said, I want you to listen to me right now. <laughs> Give him the football this week. <laughs> Just like that. You get him the football. You understand? I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. He didn't want any. Uh, and I'm sure Kirby did the same thing after that Ohio State game when Brock didn't touch the ball much. You looked at first quarter against TCU. You got to be kidding me. I mean, Brock Bowers show. Along with Stetson Bennett, I mean, he was okay, too. Didn't he have, like, seven touches in that first quarter? He had enough that made, made me feel good about it. I can tell you that. <laughs> but it, it, the thing about it is he's just such a hybrid that can that can do so many things, line up all these different places and inside, outside, in the backfield, all that. But, you know, I've read two different guys that I don't know how good of reporters they are. I mean, I don't know them that well saying that Brock Bowers could be the best tight end in the history of college football. Now that's going along and he's got a chance. He's already uh, way ahead of the guy at Florida as far as stats after two years pits and, uh, you know, different type way they used him. But, uh, and, you know, we had Keith Jackson at Oklahoma who was unbelievable. I don't think Brock can play the cello. Keith Jackson can play the cello. I mean, I heard, I mean, that was pretty impressive. Visually, my favorite thing about Bowers is that when he gets the football, it looks like that allows him to run faster. Like he hits a different level when he's running with a football in his hands. I don't know how that works, but it's just crazy to see. He's so afraid he won't get it again. He wants to make sure he gets one in there. <laughs> I love it. Uh, speaking of our own Dave McMahon stats, did a uh, kind of a statistical review of Brock Bowers. And he's like, look, I'm not going to put him in relation to the other tight ends. He already has all the Georgia records pretty much for tight ends in two seasons. I'm going to show you where he lines up on top wide receivers at the University of Georgia. And he's on like the top 10 list, top 10 list, top 10 list. He's going to be – he has a chance to be one of Georgia's all-time leading receivers at the tight – regardless of being at the tight end or wide receiver position. So that says a lot. All right, what, yeah. what else you got? Well, Todd Hartley, his coach, talked about him too and how uh, sometimes you have to set him off to the side so other people can work. I, this is my favorite. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I started to play it. This is the best thing we heard all week. So uh, clip this out, watch it, live it, write down everything he says and put it on a poster. He is the ultimate competitor. The kid don't want to lose in anything. Okay. And to be honest with you, I need to see Oscar Delp get reps. Okay. I need to see Lawson Lucky and Pierce Sperling get reps. 
And when I take him off and limit some of his reps, he gets pissed off. He gets pissed off. Okay, I'm like, hey, Brock. He's like, what did I do wrong? Nothing, buddy. Just stand right here. It's okay. I wish you'd let him stand there until the first game myself. But, uh, <laughs> uh, just because. Maybe know, the third game. Yeah, he, he's going to be. It, it's a good situation, and everybody needs to enjoy the fact that you had a chance to be around this guy. I mean, he just he can be a legend here, that's for sure. And just quality guy, too, really quality. I like that uh, there's another part of the quote where he says, look, if we have a 10-yard 10, 10 race, he's going to be first. If we have a 30-yard race, he's going to be first. First guy in the locker room, last guy to leave. And you guys think he doesn't like to answer questions. Oh, he absolutely loves to answer questions. We'll be in the film room, and I have to tell him, stop answering questions. Let the freshman answer the questions. I know you know the answer. I want to hear if Pierce knows the answer. I want to hear if Lawson knows the answer. <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to film this thing. I'm dying. I'm rolling. And, he, and, he, and the way uh, Todd's like, it's okay, buddy. <laughs> I just cracked up. Uh, you mentioned the question you asked to Dale McGee about recruiting. Todd Hartley was asked a similar one about recruiting for tight ends at Georgia because he's done a pretty darn good job. And there's not a better recruiter in the country than Kirby Smart, I'll tell you that. So when you have Coach Smart's influence, it's uh, it's not as hard walking into a living room when you know you get Coach Smart behind you, right? Um, the other thing is the power of the logo. I mean, when you got the G on your chest and you walk into a school, you get instant credibility, you get instant respect. So the fact that you got Georgia on your shirt, you got Coach Smart as your as your head coach, that that makes the job not as hard. That's good. I, I like it. Uh, we've talked about, you know, people start talking about well, so and so's not doing that great or whatever. But he, Kirby is a good interactor, inter, you know, interaction with everybody, and uh, you know he's the boss, and that's what you're always looking for. Who's the boss? But I like that point about the G, and I will just mention that that uh, one of the things I used to tell young players in the state of Georgia, I said, when you walk down the hall, your school, how many hats do you see of these other schools? You usually don't see many except Georgia. And if you say you're going to Georgia, how many people in this hall are going to be happy and how many of them are going to be sad if you don't? I said everybody in these hallways want you would love to have the same opportunity you have, and very seldom. Of course, we were trying to rebuild and coming off probation and all, but we started building up a pretty good talent base. But I think that's one thing you can, you know, you got the the biggest problem, and I want to make sure that everybody understands this tonight. If you don't understand anything else from the tradition and all that, NIL is real. It is real. And we can't do anything about it by throwing up our hands and say, well, we lost him the NIL. We can't lose the guy because of the NIL. It's got to be our staff's decision whether they want to go as much as somebody else. But you got to keep morale. You can't bring a guy in here making more than somebody's already playing unless he's just unreal. So uh, you got to remember that these kids now know how to use NIL. The first couple of years, they didn't know. They were just learning. But now these guys got agents in high school. They got people telling them how they can use their money and do all these things. And of course, their parents are saying that as a chance to, you know, get a lifetime annuity. So it, it's just it's just a situation that you can throw up your hands or you can say, hey, we got to compete. We're competing. We're doing a good job with it. And 
We're number one in the nation. It's not luck. We're not getting all these guys because we're so such. We got the great facilities and academics and all. We're competing in IL. Hey, anybody that says otherwise, you're wrong. We, we're doing that, but we're just not going to compete unless it's you know we you know within comes, reason. Comes a point where what what's reasonable, what's not. Uh, I know for a fact that there's some guys around the country that are making more than the guy that's coaching them next year. Wow. And that, that's on some staffs that don't make as much as some of these bigger ones. But that, that to me is going to be hard. And, you know, hey, this guy's wife said, well, Johnny, you better get him in the game. He's making more than you are. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's well, – I mean, that's- at some point, these players are going to make more in college than they will their first NFL contracts. Well, so. a lot of times, and that's what's happening with that Caitlin Clark up there at Iowa. She didn't want to go at WNBA. They got a $280,000 max the first year. She's making $2 million at Iowa. So why would she go play? Uh, but I want to make this point, too. If you have a company that has good – good advertising dollars and you want to uh, get to bang for your buck, you can uh, get with the Georgia collective and these players will, uh, will pound your, uh, your company and they will, you know, say a few words and then they'll have a video. And not only does it go on the Georgia collective, but it's going to be on the, aren't you going to have it Roddy on the rival site? If they'll send it to me, I absolutely will. So yeah. I'm looking to, I'm looking forward to putting up the, cause it'll be the players. They'll be talking about the products, but they'll also be, you know, they're right. interesting stuff from the players. So, and then they've got social media. Their parents put it on Facebook. I mean, you can get two, three million exposures on that, and for a, a limited amount of money that you pay for uh, advertising, and you know, write it off. But help well, us think that's where that's where it's going. It's going to be corporate. I mean, you can't right. keep asking the big donors. I know a bunch of them. Donors. We need more money. We need more money. We need more money. When you have these corporate marketing uh, right. departments, it's like, hey, spend less on radio and TV and mailers. Right. If you've got, if give Brock Bowers to sell your product. If you know? You're saying, if you're saying, hey, well, let me help get this guy. I'll give some money to NIL. Well, you don't have to just give it. You can get some advertising out of it. So there's a way to do that. So. Uh, I think that's something everybody needs. You're just going to be donor poor where all these donors just ask them. You just can't keep coming up with that. Particularly you saw Texas A&M yesterday. They were using the deal where they were getting the donors and getting a tax break. And the IRS said, hey, you can't do it. So A&M's 12th man thing has been disbanded. But I'm sure they'll just go on and play for them under the table now. I don't know how they'll do it, but they'll they'll do something. When then there was a headline that Florida State was using some kind of uh, donor growth. Pr- I mean, it was it was some kind of weird way that they were trying to get money involved in some financial firm. No, that that that's for they they talked to a, a an investment firm about a private equity fund about getting a loan for them so they can pay off their MMR that they that they owe uh, you know their grant of rights for them to leave the conference, they got an exorbitant fee, so they'd like to borrow the money from from one of these people, uh, you know, these brokerage firms, and uh, I don't know what – who's going to take Florida State, though? I mean, SEC's not. Big Ten's not. 
maybe Pac-12, but uh, I like Florida State. But, I mean, I just don't see anybody taking them right now. I mean. Yeah, I don't either. Hey, I had one final thought real fast just on the head coaches uh, or the assistant coaches, excuse me. I knew Mike Bobo has been a head coach before. I know how good he is. Dale McGee, I think, is head coach quality. Same with Glenn Schumann. He's on that trajectory. I was really impressed with Todd Hartley and how he handled that microphone. He was really, really good, and we don't get to see that very much. And I looked at that, and I was like, this guy can run a program. He's right. He's been well-trained. He's got yep. the title now, assistant head coach, so that's pretty good. Yep. Uh, he, did, he did a great job. And I actually missed part of the uh, – when he walked in, the way he addressed the room – I was still setting the cameras up. So he was even better than uh, anticipated. Hey, we were talking about if you own a business, uh, you can be a part of the Georgia NIL thing without the money coming out of your pocket. Or not even if you own a business, if you work at one. Well, I want to mention our friends at Europe High because they kind of did the same thing. They had to deal with uh, a promotion with Malachi Starks. They have him as one of their spokesmen. So they've given to the UGA uh, uh, Classic City Collective and there was one point where they had a, like a Malachi Starks night. You go in, he's signing autographs. He's making pizzas for people. Everybody's getting a picture taken with him. And he is a good uh, ambassador for that company. So again, uh, the folks at Europe, they like, look, you know, we have this marketing money. We could advertise on UGA sports or we could pay Malachi Starks, you know, and uh, they, they did they get him for a song. So my point is here is proof of concept where someone has said, look, uh, we want to use some of our marketing money and we'll uh, use it with the university. And there's um, your pies all over the place. So they could be doing this with a Clemson. They could be doing it with a uh, uh, Auburn. They could be doing it with all sorts of schools. But I know that, you know, the, the founders of the whole thing are diehard Georgia fans. And look, this is the second time they've done a good proof of concept because you see on the screen there, They've got the Lineage Supreme, the Great White, the Ishka, the Hot Honey Barbecue, all these fantastic pizzas that they created. The whole concept was something that they came up with, and it's been a raging success. And, of course, they've turned that to NIL as well. So uh, I'm also mentioning somebody else who came up with a great concept and is just killing it. It's our friends over at My Perfect Franchise, Andy Ludecki. Andy, has, you know, he went into the franchise business saying, look, I want to – I want to be my own boss. I want to have my own uh, company. I don't want to be working for somebody else. And he did that. He opened up like three, four, five different franchises. And he said, you know, I've done so much research. I can help other people do this. And that's what he's been doing. He's been doing it everywhere. He's been doing it at a bunch of the rival sites. People who want to get out of the rat race, who want to have a, a better future, more uh, time off, more uh, control over their uh, career. They've been going to Andy Ludecki at My Perfect Franchise, doesn't it? They call him up. He helps them. It doesn't cost you a dime to do it. So check him out when you get a chance. Let's sneak in Dead Soxy real fast too, so we can end with questions. Yep. Uh, do want to mention our friends at Dead Soxy? They make that's another proof of concept where they came up with one. They're actually doing some NIL with Ole Miss. There's a couple of Ole Miss grads, but they also make socks for Georgia fans, Alabama fans, South Carolina fans, North Carolina fans. They make socks all over the place. But right, the first toe in the water, unintended there is with Ole Miss because they create they did the licensing thing, so they have an NIL deal with Ole Miss. They're looking to do one with Georgia. They're looking to do one with Alabama because, again, they're trying to get the word out about their fantastic socks. And if you've ever tried Dead Soxy, you know that they're great. And if they if they can get a pair on your feet, they've hooked you. They know that you're going to – they'll become your favorite pair. You won't want to wear anything else, and you'll buy more. And if they can do that through making great red and black socks, 
lucky stocks and, you know, maybe have a couple of Georgia guys pitching them, then they'll be very successful. So uh, shout out to Dead Soxie for also making a, uh, a good proof of concept, as Coach was talking about. Let's get to questions from members of UGASports.com. And we'll start with this one from Big Old Dog. It says, Coach, what's your take on Alabama's quarterback room based on uh, what you've heard? Are they the old Bama where they control and go back to ground and pound? I'm not sure I saw where Pete Rose was going to talk to him uh, about gambling. I think they got Phil Mickelson coming in there tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> oh. so, uh, uh, that's a joke, Roddy. I hope you know that's a joke. I know. I know. <laughs> you know, they, they've got three good players. I think they're making the trend back to uh, running the ball a little bit more uh, with Tommy Reese coming in from Notre Dame. Uh, Obviously, the the fact that Notre Dame's guy came there, it had to feel like he had a shot. I like both both Simpson and Milrow. I don't know enough about them. I think their defense is going to be better this year, uh, for sure. Uh, they've, they've got more players, particularly up front. But offensively, uh, you know, I just I don't know how good their O line is, and that's going to be, and the receivers are not. As deep as they've been, they've got some good players, but uh, got good backs. But I don't know enough about which guys are going to make the move. If, if they want to run more quarterback runs, Milro can do it. Uh, if they, you know, want to run Reed's system a little more, that's Butch Buchner or whatever name would be the guy. So. A question from YouTube: Jeff says, "I'm hearing good news about Jackson Meeks. Can you confirm, Coach?" Jackson Meeks is a really good uh, special teams player. Uh, got a tough road to hoe with some of the guys in front of him. He's a bigger receiver, a good blocker, and a good receiver. Doesn't have a real blazing speed, but good attitude. Herbie's high on him on the special teams. Uh, I don't see him being in the too deep at this point, but maybe he ha- – I haven't watched him practice, so I don't know. If he's hearing that, maybe he is. I don't know. Uh, I was watching practicing. <laughs> Mike Bobo is giving him hell. So, but again, that he is a big stuff. You can't tell him, man. You give, you no, we, hey, he lets us out there. We're not going to not say what we didn't see. I, I so, he, he, uh, Kirby was, I mean, uh, Mike Bobo. That's your deal. Him. You love to go out there and hear who's, who he's getting on, don't you? Well, yeah, because that's usually the guys that turn out to be the best ones. Okay. When, he, when he's dogging, dog cussing Jamal Jarrett, you go back to Richard LeCount. Uh, Michael Williams, if he's dog cussing them, then that's somebody he wants to see do something. But this was Mike Bobo getting on to uh, Jackson Meeks. And I, I'm, I'm, looking, I'm like, who's number – is that a tight end? That's a big boy. Number so, nine, isn't he? Number nine. He's number nine. And he, I, I really – you know, I got off my – who the hell is that? So, he's a big boy. And, I mean, again, what is – if they're not talking to you, if they're not on your case, then that means they don't expect much from you. Right. From Bucket 3075, as Georgia's had coaches leave to other schools like Buster Faulkner to Georgia Tech or Sam Pittman to Arkansas, do you completely revamp signals year over year, or is that something that's done every year anyway, whether or not you lose coaches? Well, I think you got to be really aware of that when you play those teams, but there's a certain amount of things that you do uh, for every team. You know, we were worried about Clemson stealing our signals. They're notorious for that when Venables were there. So we came up with several different ways. We had some armbands. We had 
quick huddle. We had a lot of different ways, messenger, and run the play in with a guy. But uh, stealing the signals is uh, something you worry about for sure. And you play somebody that is on the other sideline, uh, then you definitely change them some. Uh, big dog, too, coach, with the new quarterback, new starter at running back, new offensive coordinator. Could you estimate what the pass run ratio might be? You know, we're uh, to win in this league, you got to be able to run the ball and stop the run. You got to be able to do that, but you got to be able to make explosive plays. I would say 55 45, probably, uh, based on the fact that we're going to be ahead so much that we'll be running the clock the second half but uh i could see us looking to throw the ball because of the receivers we have and uh, we got some guys we got three guys and i'm not i don't want to eliminate of course we got bowers but mcconkey loving and robert rara when when, you, when they get the ball even if somebody has a hard time standing up they're going to stand up in sanford stadium because you're going to say i don't want to miss this guy showing tail like and then, of course, Arian Smith can go deep. Uh, Bell, some people aren't talking about him enough. I mean, this guy's a powerful receiver. I mean, he's really good. He's like a running back, a receiver. Great on the screens. And, uh, and of course, we know what Rosemary St. Jack, he's, he's tough too. But those three guys now can show you their taillights. This Get question from OU – OU Herschel Walker says, Coach, did Kosey, Coleman, Dion, Grant, and Jamal Lewis make as much money combined as K.J. Bolden was promised? They, they did good, but, you know, we, we wanted them. Uh, we wanted those guys, but the Gusta paper came out three days before the signing day and said George is going on probation, and uh, we didn't have a chance with any – all three of them. I don't know what they got, but they, they got something uh, – but they were all three good players. And we'll wrap with this one. Uh, Red and Black in the day had a lot of questions. I'll keep some of these for next week. But he said, uh, old-time Georgia Bulldogs remember Wally Butts as the innovator of the pass. Coach, who taught you the most about the passing game, and when did you can begin to consider it as equally viable of a play-calling option? Well, two guys had tremendous influence on me. One was uh, Bill Walsh. Uh, when I was a young coach, I visited Stanford, and he spent two days with me showing me all his concepts and all the minute details of route running and all that. And then when uh, a little bit later on, I spent some time with Don Coriel and the uh, Chargers on their system, and we implemented the three-digit numbers where you go weak to strong, like seven – like if you said 999, all three guys are running a deep route, uh, 888 to run in post, 646 would be square in with a cook, all the way down one through nine. And it was easy to teach for your formation. If you're on the weak side, you're the first number. If you're in the middle, you're the second. The third number is the outside. So learn the three digit from him. And then uh, I guess those were the two of the biggest influences on me as far as teaching the passing game. And then it goes full circle where where did Mike Bobo learn some of this? Yeah, Mike learned a lot from his dad technique-wise. I mean, his dad's a very good fundamental coach. He's worked a lot with quarterbacks. And then, you know, uh, I saw Kirby's dad tonight, and he was talking about Kirby playing little league football. 
growing up in Bainbridge because Kirby's boys playing tonight, uh, Andrew, and uh, he's really a player now. I just hope he gets some help, gets protection. But uh, it was fun seeing Mr. Coach Smart, and he was always real supportive of me when I was a coach, along with Coach Lamb. But but anyhow, I missed you guys last week, and I want to make sure that I get this joke in tonight. Are we about finished up here? Yes, it's sir. time for the joke. So there's a country barber shop out there, and uh, and this guy uh, walks in the barber and says, uh, "How's it going today?" And the barber said, "Busy, busy." So he leaves and comes back in there two days later. He says, "How's it going?" He's busy, busy. Comes back the next day, and he said, "What's what's the situation?" He said, "Busy." And then so uh, the barber says to the this guy that's in there said, look, this guy's come in there four days out of the last five. And, and he uh, just leaves and, uh, you know, he doesn't sit down and wait. He says, hey, could you follow him and see what's going on? He said, yeah, I'll follow him. So he follows him and uh, he comes back and he said, well, did you follow him? He said, yeah. He said, where'd he go? He said, to your house. Glad to know he was busy. Damn. I busy, busy. Funny. <laughs> I have folks, it's all the time we have for this week. Leader standards or not. That does. That, hey, if you're either a leader or you're not, coach. One thing I want to say that, that I, from my perspective, I was gone last week, but I just want to give you two guys and the rest of the arrival staff a lot of credit because I was not privy to any information when I was gone. And if you're a Georgia fan and you're not around here, I mean, you got several ways to look at things, but just read this site. I mean, unbelievable. I mean, I felt like I was watching practice, listening to you guys talk about everything. And I'm, I'm, it's hard for me to give you too much love. You hand, you get a little bit too, but it's really good. All the different ways that you uh, cover Georgia and, uh, I just think people should be be glad that they got you because it's when you're not around it helps and when you're around it helps. But uh, I kept yeah. up with everything out there when I was taking a few days off and it was fun to hear what was going on. But it was also nice to not worry about it a little bit too because when I'm here I worry about the same things you do, you know, injuries and all that, just like anybody does. But uh, I still mm-hmm. feel like this it can be hard. I mean, we're going to have to lose to somebody. I mean, I just don't see anybody beating us. We're going to have to give it to them. Yeah, and that's, that sounds like what Kirby was concerned with and Mike Bobo when he's talking about hey, what he wants from his quarterbacks is don't give anybody easy points or anything easy. Make them win it the hard way. So. Anyway, folks, uh, we appreciate everybody put up with our uh, a couple schedule changes we had. Uh, but I thought it was great that we were able to get all four coaches onto the show. That was good. Good. Uh, I, lo- I love doing that. I love for you guys to hear these coaches. The more access we got from Kirby, you know, we it makes our show better, and we appreciate him uh, letting those other guys speak. And uh, it, it's also good for those guys, you know, it uh, shines their star a little bit. So uh, great stuff. Hopefully, we get to speak to them as well next week or uh, in the coming weeks. But worst case scenario, if we don't get to talk to anybody before next Tuesday. We know we're supposed to get Kirby Smart this Saturday. We will pester him with a ton of questions about the uh, scrimmage they have. 
He'll tell us some things and other things. He'll be like, y'all are making too big a deal out of this. And we will be here next Tuesday at right. noon to make a big deal out of all the small things and just uh, argue yeah, about it. That's good, Ronnie. And any of you guys that go to the scrimmage, I think you're really smart uh, putting it out that what's happening. I think that's very disloyal. I think uh, it's a good idea. Tell me. Know, I know you do, Roddy, but I'm just saying you got a chance to represent Georgia and you're helping them. But, you know, it's a closed practice. What goes on there is not supposed to be put out. So don't be telling that stuff. Tell me. Tell me. It's okay. Hi, folks. We'll see you next week. Y'all take care.